what we make of it. Shotgun wedding. Sometimes a first date requires paperwork. A Good Omens Fic, written by Charlotte Madison and read by Literarian. Chapter 32 It was fucking bizarre, all of it. Surreal. Absurd. It was a whole new hospital experience, and it was not a horrific disaster, and for some reason it made Crowley's nose itch. Aziraphale stayed at Crowley's right hand for most of the evening, and he didn't fluster once. He made everyone hydrate, carried their coats, accepted the myriad brochures and papers that were pushed their way, and kept track of their duffel bag of supplies. Aziraphale managed the pleases and thank yous Crowley never had the energy for, and he smiled so kindly at the staff that they walked away looking a little less tired than they'd arrived. He let Crowley squeeze his arm tight during the horrific part with the needle and thread, or whatever the stuff was, the part Adam thought was very cool. Best of all, Aziraphale stayed with Adam so that Crowley could take a lap around the building when he got too spun up for anyone's good. Adam had earned himself two layers of stitches, though he hopped off the table disappointed that the doctor couldn't promise him a lasting scar. He immediately texted his friends a half-smiling anesthetized selfie with a thumbs up. They sent unanimous praise for his wicked new look. Then came the only part of hospital visits Crowley liked. Stepping out through the sliding doors and escaping the crowded, scary, smelly place. Even that was improved by holding his husband's hand. It was their first car ride altogether. Adam fiddled with his phone in the front. Crowley asked what everyone wanted to eat from the back. With the eyes of all present and a few swipes of his thumb, he arranged for emergency pizza to meet them at home. It was only 9.30. They'd made it in and out in record time. What's another word for look, like when you're looking at someone? Adam asked. To see, to glance, to watch, to behold, to witness, to view, Aziraphale recited. Um... To perceive? To take in? Crowley silently poured one out for the part of his ego that was put off by how much the whole English teacher thing made him want to snog Aziraphale senseless in the back of a stranger's car. He settled for putting an arm around his shoulder. Adam looked off into space for a moment and then continued typing. When he stopped again, Aziraphale asked, Any hope of a breakthrough? In the story? Adam shrugged. I don't know. Maybe happy ever after would save me some time in the end. Happily, Aziraphale corrected. It's an adverb. Wait, is he gonna happily ever after end? Crowley asked, leaning forward in disbelief. 
Adam, you're not gonna happily ever after it. Don't do that. It is Adam's story to end, Aziraphale reminded him. But, but happily ever after's not even a thing, Crowley protested, freeing his hands to gesticulate. It's a cop-out. It's a, what's it called, calligra, uh, no, cuneiform? Petroglyph. No, anyway, it's your story, do whatever you want, but I'll be righteously pissed off if you end it like that. Adam twisted in his seat to look back. I have to stop sometime, and they're in a happy place for now, so I figured maybe... No! It's a shortcut bullshit ending, don't you dare! Happy isn't a place, it's just a mood people get into once in a while. You don't, Adam said with a comical half a smirk. <laughs> it still isn't a thing, Crowley argued fervently. Stories are just a series of problems, and if you magic away all the problems at the end, no more story. That's what happily ever after does. It pretends the problems stop, and that's why it always feels fake. Like a dead end. Your story's way too real for that. Aziraphale made his concerned teacher face. I hesitate to argue, but there's... Cipher. Cipher. Fuck, that's the word. <laughs> Crowley laughed, relieved. That's what happily ever after is. A cipher. But, my dear, there's far more to a story than a series of problems. Choices, then. Choices and problems. Crowley said emphatically. They go together, package deal. Every choice comes with its own problems attached. Some more, some less, but all choices are this problem or that one. And that's what happily ever after erases. If you get rid of all your characters' future problems, you've also gotten rid of all of their future choices. That's not an ending. That's just... That's having no future at all. That's basically being dead. Problems is how you know you're alive. Adam and Aziraphale just stared. Crowley wondered, not for the first time, whether he was way out of his depth with this whole parenting thing. But when, like... Adam faltered. Hang on, so... Do the characters ever get to be happy then? Sometimes, Crowley said. But not ever after. Feelings don't work that way. But they never, like, get there, you're saying. They can't get to a good place. Crowley made a creaking sound and drew scribbles in the air as he fished for the right words. Uh, you sort of, um, shit, good is different than happy. Oh, said Aziraphale in an odd tone of voice. Of course. Like in stories, your characters make the best choices they can, right? For them. Which partner, where to live, whether to sell the magical cow, whatever. 
The universe randomly pitches boulders or beanstalks their way too. And that stuff, all that concrete stuff, that's what all makes their lives good or bad. It's got nothing to do with feeling happy or sad. Adam furrowed his brow. It's a structure thing, not a mood. It's like... like... Crowley waved wildly, picking up steam. Having a good life? Feeling happy? He weighed these invisible ideas, one in each hand. Those are totally separate from each other. One's a thing you build as best you can with what you've got. Like your house, sort of. It's made of your problems and choices and morals and the random shit that happens to you. But happiness, that just hits you sometimes. Like the weather, cause it's a feeling. Comes and goes. It looks pretty, makes rainbows maybe, but you can't live inside it, can you? Cause it's not solid. Okay, said Adam, blinking. Happily ever after's like trying to live in a cloud instead of a house. And that's why it's bullshit, Crowley concluded, feeling a bit proud that he'd flogged this ramshackle philosophy into coherence in real time. So, the real ever after is, you'll occasionally be happy, but you have to focus on building a life that mostly works for you more than on happiness. You make your choices, you accept the problems that come with it, the problems you want most, your chosen problems, and you take good care of them all till you die. Aziraphale caught Crowley's hand mid-flail and squeezed it very tight. Adam brightened up. Oh, like your plants! Exactly like the plants. They're my problem collection. And my bikes. And Doc, said Adam. And dog, right, perfect example. It's no such thing as a perfect pet, so you choose the one that destroys your house in a way you can cope with, and you look after it. And it makes you happy, Adam insisted, pouting with half his mouth. You keep skipping that part. I mean, pets and plants can make you happy sometimes, just not ever after. But you like them. You like them a lot. I think you're skipping over the good stuff and focusing on the problems and pain part. Life is pain, Highness, Crowley countered. Anyone who says differently is selling something. Goodness, Aziraphale interjected. That's a bit dark, isn't it? Princess Bride, said Adam. It's from a movie, Angel said Crowley at the same time. And I cannot believe you haven't seen that one. I might have, but I don't recall the details, Aziraphale confessed. Inconceivable, muttered the driver. Movie night, Adam shouted, bouncing in his seat. Can we tonight? Crowley snorted. <laughs> Do you have any idea how hard those painkillers are about to hit you? He is fine, thanks. Anywhere along the curb.
as you wish, the driver said, pulling over. Adam held up his hand to demand a high five from them and refused to unbuckle until he got one. The three of them tumbled out of the car. It was their first time arriving at the condo all at once, Crowley thought. The first time in the elevator as a... well, together. The first time bumping elbows in the entryway as they shed coats and shoes. Adam flopped into the beanbag, still typing with his thumbs. Aziraphale disappeared down the hall and came back without a jacket, rolling up his sleeves to set out the dishes for dinner. Crowley leaned against the island to email teachers about homework extensions, and as he looked around the room, all of them just doing their own thing, just being at home, he thought, this, 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 please, this. From his phone, he started Sufjan Stevens playing quietly on the stereo. Adam had liked dancing to it when he was little. With the emails dispatched, Crowley rounded the island and sidled up behind his husband at the sink. He fit his chin into the cosy crook-of-the-shoulder spot carved especially to hold it, and he hugged Aziraphale tight around the waist to trap him against the counter. Gotcha, said Crowley. Whatever, said Aziraphale, ruffling his hair. I'm not going to make much progress on the table this way. Sorry, a bit of a kitchen koala tonight. Can't help it. You're to blame. Well, aren't you adorable? I am not. Koalas are bears and they are ferocious and terrifying. Help someone, anyone, Aziraphale said, sounding not at all terrified. They're not bears, they're marsupials, Adam yelled from the far end of the living room. Crowley's phone buzzed. Pizza, you're lucky you've lived to tell the tale. Ah, well. Better luck next time, Koala. It was hard to break away, even to go to the lobby, because that meant walking away from just about everything Crowley wanted in the world. It had all finally collected in one room, like rocks in a river eddy, and however long it lasted, he resented missing even a minute. The weekend was already short enough. The elevator was too slow. He bounded down the stairs and took them back up, two at a time. When Crowley returned with the pizzas, Adam and Aziraphale were at the table, already tucking into... Did you make a fucking salad? Crowley demanded. Adam cracked up. <laughs> I knew it! It was not a great trial. I'm not entirely useless in the kitchen, Aziraphale maintained primly. Half the ingredients are growing on the table. Crowley spat and sputtered while he set the boxes down. Sit, eat, Aziraphale instructed him. 
you've had a long night. Crowley did, floating in disoriented astonishment. He was unaccustomed to having anyone do anything for him. Ever. Not growing up, not in New York, not with Sam, not with Lil, not since. Adam and the kids were good for chores, but only after they were bantered or bargained into cooperating. Some subtle dynamic had changed since Sunday. Crowley wasn't sure what or why. It was undoubtedly a good change. Aziraphale seemed less... less something. Self-conscious? Anxious? Cautious? One of those, or similar. Don't make him nervous again. Don't call attention to it. Don't fuck it up, his instincts told him. I'm not, though, am I? Give it a rest, he told them right back. Better yet, sort off for tonight. I'm knackered. I'm a lie down now, Adam said after his fifth slice of pizza. Feel fuzzy? Crowley asked. Little bit. Yeah, they gave you the hard stuff. Drink some more water and have fun with the weird dreams. Need anything else? Adam shook his head and stood up, swaying with exhaustion. Crowley reflexively rose with him. Much to his surprise, Adam ducked in for a long, loose-limbed hug. Good night, said Adam. Leave the dishes, all right? Double chores can wait till tomorrow, Crowley said into his rumpled rainbow hair. And, uh, yeah, you know, love and stuff. Adam nodded under his chin, broke away and shuffled across the kitchen. Crowley watched him go. He would never, ever, ever, ever be over the kid. Teeth! he called as Adam tried to go straight to his bedroom. He was answered by the poignant groan of an oppressed teenager. But Adam changed direction and headed down the hall instead. Aziraphale was up and clearing the table. Crowley just stood there, hazy and uncharacteristically useless, as his kitchen did things without his supervision. Fucking surreal, all of this. He hated hospital nights. He hated making Adam cry. He hated describing medical emergencies to teachers over email. He hated one-click pizza for dinner at 10pm. He hated everything about everything, but somehow all the same old bullshit looked different tonight in light of... Have a seat. Crowley woke from his contemplation to find a shockingly determined Aziraphale staring into his eyes not two feet away. Crowley sat. He sat facing the right way, chin up, spine straight and everything. Two wine glasses were already set on the corner of the table. Okay, sitting... 
Crowley said, uncertainly. I wonder if we might... Aziraphale paused and gave himself a funny little nod. That is, I want to open one of your good bottles, the ones you've been saving. Special occasion, Angel. I got a passport stamp, didn't I? You did. Crowley pointed to the back corner of the dining room. They're under the cacti there. Take your pick. Oh, and get the... Uh, fuck, the wine botherer. Disruptor. The thingy. In the drawer. <laughs> yeah, right, eh? Aziraphale laughed. It's what I said. Of course you did. I heard you, sweet pea. Thesaurus face. Kitchen koala. Crowley shifted uncomfortably in his seat. Despite the friendly tone, he suspected he was in for something. What's got into you, Angel? Into me? Yeah, you're so... certain. Hmm. Aziraphale hummed lightly as he turned bottles and checked labels. I'm sure I haven't the foggiest idea what you mean. You're not hedging, said Crowley. You always hedge. You're an expert hedger. Am I in trouble? Usually, but then that's none of my business, is it? You're not in any particular trouble with me. Oh, this looks lovely. What would you say to a Chateau Neuf du Pape? Crowley made a broad gesture of approval and sat back, wondering what on earth he was in for. Let's uncork it, Angel. Aziraphale looked him in the eye and smiled. Thank you. I believe I shall. Because I want to. He brought the bottle over and cut off the foil doing a little self-satisfied shimmy as it peeled away in one piece. Crowley sniffed. You've gone a bit bossy tonight. I mean, for the record, I'm into it. I had a few questions for you, that's all. Oh. Crowley crossed his arms and scoffed, even as his stomach sank. On a night like this, you hit me with a relationship discussion. Ruthless you are. We survived the last round, didn't we? Aziraphale said breezily, working the corkscrew. In fact, I seem to remember it ending rather well. The cork popped free and he smelled it, with an expression at once perfectly pure and entirely obscene. Crowley hmphed weakly. Don't know if I have that in me tonight. The talking or the rest. Suddenly he straightened up, listening hard, eyes starting back and forth. What do you hear? Aziraphale whispered. Nothing's the problem. Crowley stood up, still concentrating, every nerve on high alert. Did he make it back to his room? After another moment of silence, he strode toward the hallway. Adam, he called. 
I'm fine, Crowley, just raiding my phone, Adam said from the bathroom. Crowley shoved his sunglasses up so he could put his face in his hands and scrub it hard. Fuck. Great, good, sorry, good night. Rolling his eyes at himself, he returned to the table and sat down heavily, this time with limbs akimbo. Sorry, Angel, he sighed. I'm a nervous wreck every time he has a rogue drug or two in his system. That's more than understandable. Aziraphale passed over a full glass. Here, have a distraction. Crowley tapped the sunglasses back down, not yet ready to relinquish their protection. He tried to steady his breathing enough to smell the wine. Aziraphale sat down with his own glass just around the corner of the dining table. Their legs slotted together naturally, without sparks or suggestion, merely warm and familiar and fitting at the end of the night. Down the hall, two doors opened and closed, first the one, then the other, and Crowley exhaled slowly. The tension in his shoulders unfurled. He lifted his glass. So, what are we drinking to? I'm not sure, Aziraphale admitted. What's a more realistic alternative to happily ever after? Crowley tapped his toe and thought. He thought about the answer, and he thought about what it meant that Aziraphale had asked. He studied the little Hawarthia and the hibiscus in the centre of the table. The freshly trimmed lettuce and rocket and kale. Growing ever after, he decided with a nod. That's the one. Well, to growing ever after then, Aziraphale said softly. Their glasses met and the crystal rang. After a Category 4 typhoon type of evening, Crowley could be forgiven for forgetting to prepare himself for his husband's first sip. The loud, ecstatic moan hit him like a defibrillator shock. Clear, his mind barked, and he willed his heart to restart. If the cake and escargot sounds had been obscene, this was downright orgasmic and Crowley had a steadily growing data set with which to make that comparison. Oh, 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 Crowley, Aziraphale gasped. Oh, dear God, that beggar's belief. It's spectacular. Oh. Wine. I'm gonna buy so much wine, Crowley thought as he twisted in his seat. I am going to become a horrible, pretentious wine snob to kick off the midlife crisis, so help me, and this is why. Um, yeah, I got it specially to pair with Domino's, so well chosen, you. Crowley toasted again and drank. And it was good. Better than good, superb. 
But after witnessing Aziraphale's reaction, the taste had a little electric sting of associated ecstasy that would have improved any bottle fivefold. Growing ever after, Aziraphale murmured, gazing into his glass. That's so lovely. However did you think of it? Crowley shrugged. Technically, growing till you die is more accurate. But that didn't test well with audiences. Aziraphale gazed at him with such intense fondness that he had to look away. So... He leaned in on his elbows and twirled his glass absently. You had questions? A few. Nothing too distressing, I hope. It's just there's still so much to learn. Aziraphale seemed to settle into himself for the duration, uncommonly calm and single-minded, not a fidget in sight. I did want to know about what's happened while I've been away these last two weeks. The nights I wasn't here. Oh. Crowley took his sunglasses off and shoved them across the table. This might not be so bad. Well, um, Adam's got biofeedback neuro-what's-it-therapy on Tuesdays. Brian's got rehearsals now, so Wednesday's been walking Adam home, or he's been riding with Pepper till they... No, 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 I mean you. What have you been feeling when I'm gone? About what? Could I possibly be referring to the major lifestyle change we've all just undertaken on less than a week's notice? Ah, oh, shit. The sunglasses may have come off too soon. I feel sort of in limbo, he answered tentatively. Aziraphale leaned in, open nodding. Well, I'm happy to stay, by the way, Crowley added hastily. Don't let me put any pressure on you by saying so. Limbo's fine, nice on hell, and I'm not much for heaven. I'm just waiting for Fridays, feeling lucky if I get you sooner. And I have experience with waiting rooms, as you've observed tonight, so yeah, not bad overall. Hmm. Been doing household stuff, hoping Adam notices me occasionally, trying not to worry. Crowley took a deep breath and drank for courage. And then, with tremendous force of will, he grabbed his worst little inner monologue by the collar and yanked it out into the light. Mostly, I'm hoping I don't fuck it up. Least, not too badly. I'll fuck up some of it, for sure. But that's what I'm thinking, lot of the time. Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. Hmm. Aziraphale laid a hand alongside his, touching gently, not claiming. So, yeah. It's basically how I've been spending my time. Well, that and tossing off in the shower, but I blame you for that. How very flattering. 
Well, you asked. Next question. Now it was Aziraphale's turn to fortify himself with a long drink. His eyebrows converged as he thought through whatever he planned to say. Crowley, what do you want? he finally asked. He let his fingertips rest gently on the back of Crowley's left hand. Hmm. Small questions only tonight, eh? It could be a small question, if you want it to be. Least let a guy get tipsy first, Crowley mumbled. It needn't be everything you want, just something you want. I'm curious what comes to mind. Crowley let his eyes drift ceilingward. I actually studied for this one. I might be able to handle it. Adam, make me do your little exercise. I want... Okay, I want... I want reassurance. Thanks very much for the assist on that one. He started counting up on his right hand. Adam, you, a family, growing things. Or maybe good riding weather on the weekends. That last one's a toss-up. Aziraphale chuckled. <laughs> you can have more than five if you need. Not allowed. He was really strict about it. And you spent one each on Adam and me, and also a family? Oh yeah, family, yeah. Crowley couldn't help nodding adamantly, hard and fast. That's its own thing, everyone together. That's different from each alone. And I always wanted that. Aziraphale clasped his hand in earnest now, unconsciously pressing at intervals. Wanted kids even when I was a kid. And a home life too. The good knives, the slow cooker, matching towels, great knees, tooth fairy, all that rot. Always wanted it, always. He looked over his shoulder towards Adam's room without meaning to. I see. And Aziraphale, all glowy and soft, really did seem to see. Crowley reclined in his chair and crossed his arms. All right, your turn, Grand Inquisitor, he said. What do you want? Five things. Go. You know, it's funny, Aziraphale considered. I've taught that exercise for at least ten years, but I don't think I've ever done it myself. I'm not swift at coming up with lists like these, off the cuff. You might have to give me a few days, but I'm working on it. No rush. Take your time. By way of a sneak preview, though, you're on the list, Aziraphale added. Possibly twice. Twice? Crowley grinned broadly. Well... Aziraphale glanced down and smiled a little secretive smile, which Crowley liked very much. And, um, 
Crowley topped off both their glasses. How have you been feeling, um, apart, on those days? Little peace and quiet's nice, I expect. The secret smile gave way to open irritation. Oh, bother, I hardly know. I feel so out of touch with myself when I leave here. It's just, it's like sailing through a thick fog. See, that's what I mean, that's limbo. Crowley pointed at the wall with one hand and waved his wine glass wildly with the other. It's like sleepwalking. It is, isn't it? I try to ask myself how I feel or what I want, and I might as well be shouting into the eternal void. I know. I feel like half a thing when you're gone. I can't think, I can't sleep, and that's... Crowley pulled up short. Aziraphale gazed at him expectantly. Fuck, too much, don't pressure, don't push. I mean, I don't want to lay all that at your feet. Crowley stammered, backpedaling, blushing. Not to... It's not your fault, it's... Swear, I'm an independent person and all. Don't need rescuing, don't need you to drop everything and come running. But what if you did need me? Aziraphale interrupted. Crowley was derailed from his line of reasoning like a toy train skipping its wooden track. A long mm, escaped him slowly, steam puffing from a little overturned engine. Would that be so bad? asked Aziraphale. I mean, it's, it's not a good look, is it? Crowley said knowing it was probably the wrong thing to say. Everything was. Not a good look. It's not sustainable, though, needing people, is it? They've got their own shit to deal with. Once in a while, maybe, but I just... I don't want you to think I can't function when you need a little space for... Crowley! Aziraphale was getting that stern look about him that went straight to Crowley's undisciplined spine. Would you ever, ever in a million years tell Adam that needing something was not a good look? That it's unsustainable? Would you tell me that? The silence was awful. But Crowley couldn't find a word, a sound, or a squirm to hold it at bay. You know, I can't think of the last time anybody needed me for anything, said Aziraphale matter-of-factly. Oh. Oh. Comes of being a youngest child, I suppose. My family hardly noticed when I left. Even Tracy only needs me for the odd jobs, heavy lifting, emergencies. And the men I've spent time with, they've always made it clear that they could take me or leave me. That we were independent from each other. I could never find any way to help or be of use. I never added anything to anyone's life that they couldn't have managed on their own. 
and that's left me nothing to do in relationships but wait for the clock to tick down the hours until they tired of me. Crowley made a weak, distressed sound of disbelief in the back of his throat. He slumped forward. He saw. As a result, I have grown accustomed to being alone, even in relationships. Aziraphale went on. But I've decided that I do not want to be alone in this one. You are not giving me some great gift by protecting me from your needs, Crowley. That, 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 that's not, not what I meant. Crowley half whispered, rocking in his seat. You see, I hope... No, I want this to be different. When you ran after me in the park, when you rescued my books, you see, I'm not... That hasn't ever... Here, Aziraphale's voice quavered and nearly broke for the first time. When you made space for me here, as if I belonged, as if I could fit into your life somehow... Almost as if you'd want to be reminded of me when I was gone. I thought you might possibly... Well... He drew himself up with a breath. A great deal of this experience is brand new for me. But that, perhaps, most of all. It's what you deserve, though, Angel. Bare fucking minimum. Crowley swallowed painfully. But also, there's a lot of need in here. I'm a lot. Isn't it probably too soon to roll that stuff out? Too much pressure for you? You don't scare me, Anthony J. Crowley, said Aziraphale with a knowing look. I... Oh, no? No. I should very much like to find out how it feels to be important to my partner. And I want you to be the one to show me. Crowley gaped, stunned by Aziraphale's confidence as much as his assertions. I'd show you. That is, you could if you'd allow me to take care of you for a fraction as much as you've taken care of me, Aziraphale concluded with a decisive little nod. You're not often taken care of, are you, darling? Crowley twisted up his mouth and shook his head. Nah, not my thing, mostly. I do the taking care. That's my job. Your job? Well, my role always has been. Aziraphale tilted his head and seemed to scrutinize every visible inch of him. Always? Even as a child? You mentioned parenting your... well, everyone around you. It's not like I was a responsible kid. It's just nobody else stepped up, so I did. Crowley didn't relish thinking back that far. His nose itched again. 
and you took care of everyone, and you were not taken care of. The wine. Crowley remembered the wine. Right there on the table. He spent a long time sipping it to buy himself a minute, letting the procession of earthly flavors unfold. Bitter. Sweet. Acid. Fruit. Decay. Time. There are worse things than not being taken care of, he finally said, hoping that sounded conclusive enough. A boundary line, a no trespassing sign. I made it through just fine. <laughs>